0: good morning well good morning my name is phil i'm uh, one of the pastors here and uh you know it is my joy like always to be here with you this sunday and it is extra good to see my brother our lead pastor pastor toby and his wife Hosanna, and i'm sure the kids are running around too it's good to have you guys back i'm, I'm telling you it's uh It's been lonely by myself in the office sometimes, you know, so welcome home. Well, if you're just joining us today, we've been in this uh, series with Esther, and we've been going through the book of Esther, and uh, this is a, a very unique book. It's one of two books in the Bible that has no mention of God, surprising, and yet we see that throughout the whole story, throughout this whole book, God is really present. Right, that's just awesome to me. So a really quick, really quick recap is uh, we have this great king, King Ahasuerus or Xerxes. He has so much power, so much wealth. Right? He summons his wife, Queen Vashti. She refuses to come. He's furious, and after his advisors counsel him, He divorces her, gets rid of her, goes on the hunt for a new and improved wife, right? Maybe prettier, younger, more submissive. He's out searching. They find, um, you know, this girl out of numerous women. He finds Esther, who is a young Jewish girl. Her parents, um, you know, are gone, and she's been raised by her older cousin, Mordecai. Mordecai has raised her like his own daughter, and that's really what their relationship is like, is, is like a father and a daughter. Now, Esther becomes queen. And as she's become queen, we learn there's this e- evil guy named Haman. Haman hates Mordecai because Mordecai refuses to bow down. He refuses to worship him, to be submissive to him. And so Haman kind of tricks the king. He, he talks the king into signing off on this, uh, this law that will equate to you know total destruction of of the jews uh to genocide right and on a particular day it gives legal right for everyone to go out and and kill their jewish neighbors now mordecai of course he's moved by this news he's appalled he's grieved that this law has passed and so he and his people they're basically waiting to be slaughtered right so what does he do? He rips off his clothes. He, he makes a scene publicly. He, puts up, he dresses up in rags. He's, he's wailing. He's showing his, his angst in this, this, this law. Like, how could they do this? How could you pass a law that legalizes the killing of all the Jews? Now, Esther, she's kind of isolated from this. She's in the palace, and she hears about her cousin, her father figure, Mordecai. He's acting the fool out in public, and he's causing a scene. He's, he's disruptive, and, you know, maybe she's a little embarrassed. Maybe, um, you know, she's feeling it. Even though people don't know that they're related, she's inside like, man, that's, that's embarrassing. Why is he mourning? Why is he acting like this? So she sends clothes through one of her servants, sends clothes like, hey, put on these clothes. And she gives them to Mordecai, but he is like, no, I can't can't do this. Like, you don't know what's going on. So he sends back a message, basically letting her know, hey, do you know what has passed, this law that has passed? You know, it would be weird for me. It would be wrong for me. It would be outrageous for me to not act like this, to just let it go. And then he puts the ball in her hands, right? The last time Pastor Toby was here, he spoke on Esther 4. And this is this pivotal chapter, this, this uh, great, great uh, you know, moment in the story where, where Esther and Mordecai are exchanging messages. And basically, Mordecai, he tells her, think about it. You've been made queen out of all these provinces, out of all this land. You have been made queen. Young Jewish woman, you've been made queen. If you don't do something about it, you know what? I I have faith that God will take care of us. He doesn't say God, but you know I, he has that faith that someone else will rise up. But he says, "Do you really think that you're safe? That just because you're in the palace that you're safe? When they find out you're a Jew, you're probably going to be killed too." And so what does he say? He really puts it on her and says, "Hey." Do you think about it? Maybe all these things, maybe you have become queen for a reason, for this reason that you would be in a position where you're able to save your people. You're able to save the Jews. And so she says, he says that, and, and, um, and she responds saying, okay, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna pr- I'm going to pray and fast. I'm going to pray and fast, nothing but water for three days. I'm going to pray and fast, and you guys do the same thing. Pray for me. Pray for this situation. This is uh, some call it the Esther fast. I've done this before. Last year I did it, and it was not easy. I'll tell you that. It was not easy. But but even in that time, three days of prayer and, and, and fasting, just water, God is like, he's right there. He's so close because you're like, and especially for me, I'm like, man, three days with no food, like it's terrible. And I was uh, feeling like I was going to die, like really crying out to God, like, help me, Lord. Uh, But that was this amazing time, right? And that's what they're doing here is they're, they're taking three days. It looks like the end has come, right? Like, hey, there's this crazy law. It's the end is drawing near, and then three days, prayer and fasting you know i find this is interesting because uh, someone else took three days that when everything looked like it was done like all hope was lost and then three days later jesus resurrected from the grave you know I, i just find that there's there's so many different parallels in here that are just really interesting anyways that is what brings us to esther chapter five that esther has kind of accepted this challenge she said okay I'm going to do it, but I need your prayers. I'm going to be praying and fasting. You guys, please pray as well, and then I will approach the king. Because she knows, and she explains some more to Mordecai, don't you know, if I go in front of the king, unannounced, uninvited, if I come in front of the king, and he doesn't extend his scepter, he doesn't say, you know what, it's okay, she can pass, she can come forward, then what is the law? She'll just be killed. Nobody just walks in on the king, right? So she knows that just her coming forward is going to be risking her life, really. And yet, at the end of chapter 4, she said, you know what? I'm going to do it, and if I die, I die. I'm just going to do it, right? So as we read chapter 5 together, you know, I want to encourage you guys to really think about this from the perspective of identity, Think about who does Esther think she is? Who does she feel that she is? What is her identity? Also, we have Haman as a major character in this chapter. Again, who does Haman think he is? Where is his source of identity? So as we read this today, you know, please keep that in the back of your mind of, you know, how does identity play into this chapter here? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. I'm reminded that you say that the word is alive. And so, Lord, we invite you here. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Won't you speak to us? Would you make fresh these words on the page? That maybe this is a story we've read many times. Maybe we've studied it. Maybe we've taught on it. Maybe it's the first time we're hearing about it. Whatever the case, Lord, we pray that your word would be alive, would speak to us, that you would minister to us as we read this together. And, Lord, it's our prayer that that we would be inspired, that as we read about Esther and the way that she really followed after you and stepped out, we pray that we would also be inspired to do the same and that we would be reminded that our identity is in you. It's not about what we do or what we've done or what we will do. It's about who we are. And we have that identity because we're your children. Thank you, Lord, in your name we pray, amen. All right, so Esther 5, I'm going to be in the uh, NIV today, uh, so you guys can read along in your Bibles, in your phones, tablets, whatever, on the screen here. Uh, So Esther 5, and I'm going to be stopping every here and there just to kind of commentate on on little things, Um, and that's how we'll kind of do this today. So Esther 5, you may see the subtitle or the heading, Esther's Request to the King. On the third day, after she's done fasting, on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. She put on her queen clothes, right? She is identifying, she's showing visibly, I'm the queen. Now the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the golden scepter that was in her in his hand so esther approached and she touched the tip of the scepter maybe he was reminded by her clothes that yeah that's my queen that's my wife you know i like to think that that at this point he really loves her like he, i mean he has all the choice in the world but she has really found a spot in her heart and he's like wow that's that's my queen that's my baby that's my honey She's come to see me, right? And the king asks, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. I think that, you know, at this point, it's very interesting. I've skipped over this many times, but, you know, it's like he's saying, Hey, up to half the kingdom, right? She really has his heart. She's won it, I believe, with respect, by showing honor, by really being teachable and and really coming to, hey, how can I serve you? She knows the way to his heart is not through food, but through respect and honor in this relationship, right? And so I think that's why his response is actually a really great response where he says, you know, this is my queen, my sweetheart, my wife. And so he says, we're partners, 50-50, up to 50 percent what do you want this is yours just ask for it it's yours right now as a man myself a husband struggling through my own faith you know and i'm working hard to to be more christ-like you know god is working on me okay i'll say that maybe there's some other of you who can say amen as well but i realized that myself when my wife comes to me and she's like you know hey you know, no, I don't have a golden scepter or anything like that. And I'm like, yeah, you're my queen, you know. But but in my mind, it's kind of like, but I'm the big K king, right? Maybe it's more like you can have 10% of what I got or like $20, which is about the same. But, you know, it, it's like you need a manicure Costs How much? What? Like, dude, I got a $3 nail clipper from Walgreens, and it's lasted me like 10 years. You know what I mean? Right? Like, rarely do I say, oh, Baby, 50% is yours, whatever you want, (laughs) right? But seriously, the king tells Esther, just ask and you got it, right? If it pleases the king, Esther says, if it pleases the king. Not, yeah, listen, this is what I need. She's saying, hey, if it's okay with you, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I've prepared for him. And what is his response, right? Bring Haman at once," the king said, "so that me, we may do what Esther asks." His, his response is not "ah, okay," or right, "you know, yeah, sure, I'll get to it." You know, he's like, "Yes, right now, let's do that." What just happened? Esther says, "Hey, can you let's go to this this uh, banquet that I prepared?" What happened? What happened to to? If I die, I die, right? <laughs> She's made it this far. She's come in front of the king and he said you know what you're good come forward come forward and he even puts it out there she doesn't even have to see. she says what do you want up to half of my kingdom and you can be sure that asking for the lives of the jews the jewish people was not half of his kingdom it was nowhere close to half of his kingdom even if you know they were in servitude there was no way that that value was even close to half the kingdom so this was she could have asked hey spare my people you know, right there and then, he's putting the question in front of her. Now, some people think, you know what, maybe Esther was still pretty scared. Maybe she wasn't totally certain. Maybe she was kind of stalling, right, kind of feeling it out. Maybe, maybe she just had this incredible discernment from God. Maybe she felt like, you know what, it's not the right time. I'm going to set this up. Whatever the case, you know, she she says, hey, Let's have this banquet, bring Haman, and then I'll talk to you then, right? So the king and Haman went to the banquet uh, that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine, you know, they're having a great time together. They're loosening up. and, And the king again asked, hey, you know, what was your petition? What did you want? It will be given to you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it'll be granted. And here in verse 7, Esther replies, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. You know, I think, what? (laughs) They prayed and fasted for three days. I'm sure in that prayer was like God. Please don't let me die. I want to do this thing for you. If you will just show me, you know, have you ever prayed these prayers? Like, just give me a sign, Lord. Just do something in this direction so I know, you know, just show me something. If I was Esther, I'd be like, please, just show me that. If I go before the king and I don't die, then I know you're with me, God. I know you're with me, and I'll be bold. And it's like she goes before the king. He says, ah, you got favor. Favor. You've got favor with me wow whatever you want up to half the kingdom and yet I think she's like you know what uh okay let's 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 have a dinner maybe she's praying God hey if he gets Haman to come if he's like yes let's do this then maybe then I know you're with me I maybe then I'll, I'll do it I'll I'll put this question in front of him and again she puts it off she said hey if you really if you're gonna do this for me then um, will you meet me tomorrow? Let's do the same thing tomorrow, right? Maybe it's just the nerves of having this person, of having Haman, this, this man that hates her cousin, her, her father figure, in the room with her. Maybe it's just the nerves. She's not ready yet. Again, whatever the reason, we know that she puts it off again, and she says, hey, tomorrow, tomorrow let's let's do this thing again and then there i'll share i'll share what what it is that that i'm looking for that i'm hoping will happen and so this drama just gets drawn out we're kind of left in suspense in this chapter it's being built up we know that she's safe right but we're still not sure what's going to happen you have to come back next time to find out what happens but um But the last part of this chapter, I think, is really interesting because, and this is where I'm going to kind of spend the rest of of today in, is that after this, after this kind of this meal, this banquet with just the queen, with Haman and with the king, then Haman leaves. In verse 9, it says, Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Right? Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and he went home. Calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him and how he had elevated him above all the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. And she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. He goes through this list. He's, he's going through these things that I really believe you know, many of us can get caught up in, right? That people in the world that we know that these are ways that, that we can easily slip, slip into and this is where we can find our identity from especially as men, but but women as well. It's it's that people in the world, we find our identity, we're looking at what is Haman highlighting? He says, let me tell you about all the money that I have, all the stuff I got. I'm so rich. Look at my house. Look at my wheels. Look at this nice chariot I have, right? Look at my jewelry, my clothes, whatever he has. He's bragging about his vast wealth. And you know what's crazy? It was true. He really was really, really wealthy. Remember I told you, Haman was kind of like the Jafar of, of, uh, of Persia, right? He, he was that, that kind of grand vizier. He was this uh, right-hand man to the king. And so he had all kinds of power, all kinds of wealth. And we know that, that today, today, people are still finding identity. People are still showing how wealthy they are, right? We show it by the way that we dress, our house, our zip code, cars, whatever it is. It's easy to find wealth as a, a mode of, of, you know, who are we? How special are we? How secure are we? You know, how validated are we? And the Bible says that the money is the root of all evil, right? No. <laughs> the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Money is just money. We know that God is the one that gives us the ability to work, to earn money, that God is the one that provides for us. Money is not evil, but the love of money, finding value, finding worth in how much money we have, it's wrong and it's empty. And we see that it it just leaves desiring more, right? And then Haman, he continues and he says, hey, I got a lot of sons. I don't just have a son or I, I have sons and daughters. He's saying, I got a lot of sons. I have a legacy. I'm a man, right? Because in those days, the sons were prized. They were held high. And at that time, if if you were a, a man and you had sons, it was kind of like this sign of like, hey, I'm a manly man. You know, I have sons i'm favored i'm blessed i'm strong i'm virile seriously it was like this was a sign of man that's a real man he's got a bunch of sons and today we know that there's no correlation like it doesn't make you manlier if you have all boys or you know versus girls or something like that but but still we 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 hold our children right we we maybe compare and and look at other people's children and what school do they go to what kind of career do they end up with Maybe it's easy for us to brag about, you know, hey, this is what my, my kid's doing, right? Yeah, my son, he went to Harvard. He's a doctor. He's MVP of his basketball league. Still has time to help out and tutor disabled students at local middle school. He even cabin led a PCJC family camp, and three out of five kids in his cabin got baptized, right? We can easily just like, man, let me tell you about my kid, right? Because that makes us feel like, man, I'm a success. Man, that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a good parent, right? And so he said, I have many sons. And he continues. He says, he's bragging about, guess what? Guess who I know? I know the king. The king knows me. He wants to hang out. In fact, the queen, she likes me too. She invites me to exclusive dinners. Just the three of us, the king and the queen and me, Right? He's like, man, I know people. And we get excited about famous people, right? I mean, I have sports stars, actors, uh, politicians, people of power. I, I've met my share of, of famous people. I, I've been on TV in, in videos, had my five seconds of fame. But, but Haman is eating dinner with the most powerful man in their time, okay, and his wife. Haman is really in with with the a list club the people of power in in influence right and so he's again he's like when we talk about wealth he's got it he's got the sons and he's got the connections he he knows people right he's bragging about all these things and and this is where we see this is his identity is from all these things is look at what i've accomplished look at who i am because of these things right And yet in verse 13, he says, But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. His wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Have a pole set up reaching to a height of 50 cubits and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. This suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the pole set up. Right? Come on, how crazy is this? Right? How many of you know that when you place your identity, when you're finding your identity from the things of this world, from your accomplishments, from your job, from your wealth, and not from our Lord and Savior, how many of you know that that, that really opens you up to bad counsel? That really opens you up to be influenced by the wrong things, Because we see that Haman had it all. He's one of those people that you would say, man, that guy's got it all. And yet he's not happy that this one guy, Mordecai, is not bowing down to him. It's not enough. He's not happy, right? He is furious. He even says it. All this stuff I got, I don't even care. As long as I see Mordecai, that Jew at the gate, I'm not happy. You know, as Christians, I believe that we need to shake off these things, all these things that Haman mentions. We need to know that we are children of God, that he is our father, right? How many fathers, how many parents in the room today? A lot of you. I see you guys, right? How many of you, when you had your child, when your first child, newborn baby boy or girl, thought, "Ah, what has this kid done for me? You know, "Ah, let me know when he does something good. When he does something and he makes me some money or he does something, he fixes the roof or does something, you know, then let me know and then I'll love him. You know, we have, uh, I just, uh, I don't know how many weeks she is, but my my brother-in-law and they have this uh, little baby girl, Sarah, and she's a month old, you know. And everyone's excited just because she's alive, right? Nobody is thinking, man, what can she do? Show me what tricks does she do, right? No, it's just like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. Right? And I've been there, right? It's like, oh, my goodness, so cute. Oh, it had exploding, you know, diaper. Wow, that's awesome. Take a picture, right? Yeah, right. I mean, come on. I got that picture with my daughter, you know. I do that mess all over. Take a picture. We love them just because they're our children, right? And listen, God, he loves you. He calls you his son, calls you daughter there is nothing you can do that will make him love you more or less right he loves you because of what because your identity is his child he can be pleased when you obey he can be disappointed when you don't but he loves you because of who you are that's identity right And when we know who we are, when we realize our identity, we begin to start doing some bold things. I believe that, that when we begin to say that, you know what, I'm God's, my God thinks I'm pretty special, that he is crafting me uniquely for a purpose, that he loves me without condition. Then I can say, wow, man, if God is for me, who can be against me? Right. Like Goliath. Who is this guy that defiles the living God? I'm going to grab my little slingshot and take this guy out. Right. Maybe we begin to live like maybe I was born. I was placed. I was put in this position for such a time as this. Right. When we have our identity in Christ, when we know that we are sons, we are daughters of the most high God, he's got our back. That when we see that he is calling us to do something that like Esther, we can say, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I know God's got me. And what's the worst that's going to happen? If I die, you know what? I die. But I know that I'm going forward and I'm serving my Lord. That at the end of the day, that I'm his and he is mine. And when you have that kind of identity and that kind of security, there's no situation, there's no circumstance that is going to take away your worth, right? So this week as your uh, weekly challenge. You know, I'm going to challenge you guys uh, do a little bit more reading. It's easy reading, people. I-, I promise you, it's easy. It's exciting. This is a great, great book to read. So read Esther 1 through 5. Uh, refresh your mind about everything that's gone on. Read Esther 1 through 5 and see if something new stands out to you. Grow, consider, and pray about where you get your identity from. You know, this is something that I myself, I need to constantly check myself, right? And I can see it in the way that I react to different things. I can see it in the way that, that like Haman, he's open to bad counsel, that when someone speaks to me, or I see an advertisement, or I see a, a TV show, whatever it is, and and it's speaking to me, and I'm like, oh, really? I'm open to. It. I know that. Whoa, whoa. I gotta, I gotta recenter myself. Like, who am I? I'm a child of God, right? What is important to me? What is important to my Lord? No, grow, overflow. Um, you know, I really challenge you to think about a relationship in your life that is challenging you. Maybe like Haman, you feel like you know what. I'm pretty good. God's taking care of me. But there's this one person that is really bugging me. There's this one person that has really rubbed me the wrong way. You know what? Maybe you're okay right now, but I encourage you just pray about that. And be open to what God says. Think about a relationship in your life that has been challenging you and make one decision this week to live like a child of God would, right? Maybe it's not reacting to that person. Maybe it's that in your your, your time of frustration or, or maybe you're a little bit angry that, that you would just stop and say, God, I don't want to feel this way. Even if they're wrong, you're just, God, I don't want to feel this way. Help me to change. Help me to, to act like, like I'm your child. Like I know that you're for me, that, that, you know, you're with me, that I don't have to fear anybody. No grow, and overflow. All right, let's pray. Team, you guys can come back up. Lord God, I I thank you for your word. I'm so grateful because it speaks to me every time. And God, I'm reminded right now that it's a battle, Lord God, that that it is truly a battle, that that even something as simple as, as reading our Bible, that there is literally a war going on, that we find it hard, we find it um, tired, we find that I don't have time, or whatever it is, there's so much opposition to us even reading your word in our daily lives. That as our regular weekly routine goes by, sometimes it is so hard to have that discipline to read your word. But God, I ask that you would give us victory, that you would help us to know that it is so important for us to read your word and to pray. And that this week we would be challenged to, to dig in deeply. And that we would be people that know that, you know what, it doesn't stop there. It's not just about reading the word, but you've called us to act upon it. You've called us to be your light in the world. That you've called us to be salt and, and to actually make a difference in the places that we go. That you have empowered us as your children that we would be able to step into situations and carry your peace, bring forward your love and to impact our world around us. So God, let us be those people. Let us be your children, represent you and sharing about your love to all that we come in contact with. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. To your name we pray. Amen.